I finally got to see Caleb Williams throw the football around a little bit Saturday, and I liked what I saw. 10 of 11, 99 yards, one touchdown pass, in control, comfortable, confident. Lincoln Riley said it was the most decisive Williams had been in a practice all spring. There were five throws that impressed me as I went through my rewatch. Williams' first series, RPO on the far hash, flat-footed, completes an eight-yard out route all the way across the field, past the numbers on target. Arm strength showcase there, plus ball placement, all while throwing from a stuck-in-the-mud base. Later, he felt Clayton Smith rushing in his face, so Williams rolled out to his right and fired a strike to Drake Stoops on the crosser for positive yardage. Off schedule, felt the heat, got the ball out in time, and picked up a first down. Same drive. All of you remember this one. Williams drops a nice fade ball into Jaden Hazelwood, who made the catch of the game. Great throw, only where Hazelwood could catch it, and an even better catch by Jaden Hazelwood. Williams would cap that drive with his touchdown toss to Jackson Sumlin. Williams went through his progressions, went left to right, and found Sumlin wide open for the first touchdown of the game. And finally, in Williams' first series of the second half, as the pocket closed in from his left, Williams stepped up, kept his eyes downfield, and completed a strike to Sumlin for a big game. Williams had plenty of room up the middle to run, but he didn't. Good. Williams looked like yet another Oklahoma quarterback who likes to toss the football around the yard, eyes down the field, look to make a play. If nothing's there, then you run. We certainly saw Williams is more than capable of using his legs. He had six carries for 61 yards on Saturday, but I already knew he could run. Like I said last week, most of his high school tape that I've seen was him going for 80-yard touchdowns, and every once in a while, he would throw a 55-yard bomb. Saturday showed me that this kid does have some arm talent, and history tells us that Williams will only get better and better with more and more time with Lincoln Riley. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. Handoff near side, big room. Eric Gray makes a move. Touchdown. Zero for six. Tennessee transfer Eric Gray welcomes us into the latest edition of West of Everest. His 19-yard touchdown run was one of the highlights from Saturday's spring game, which was won by the offense 30-29. to Not going to waste any time today. Let's bring in Grant, who is sitting right across from me as we both record the podcast Tuesday night here on the ground in Oklahoma. Grant, you made it to the game on Saturday. First time uh, at Owen Field for you since, since when? Uh, Halloween night 2012 when they lost to Notre Dame. That's the that's the first time I've been in the stadium. Then, geez, that was almost ten years ago. Wow, eight well, uh, eight and a half years ago, right? Yeah. So yeah, no, it was it, it was it was good to get in there. Um, I, I've I've been wanting to come down and see you know the new renovations to the stadium for a while now, and I I, I did see them from the outside, you know, a, a couple times. That's just the first time that I've been inside. Um, and it was it, I was really happy to be there. It, it was nice to be there. Um, the, the crowd was good. It was a pretty good crowd. I, I would say it was probably a pretty typical spring game crowd with, with COVID and everything going on. That's, that's, that's really excellent. So, um, like I said, I was super, super happy to be there. The new, the new stadium, the new, the, you know, the new end zone looks really beautiful. It looks great. It just looks so much better, um, th- than it was before that. And I know I'm kind of late to the game here, uh, but I, I just thought it was really cool to be there, and uh, I thought, oh, you did a really good job with everything. It was a really, really nice, tight 60-minute game, which I kind of appreciated. Um, 
Oh yeah, the uh, I was I was thinking, what was I going to comment on? The crowd. You, having been to all but one of OU's games last fall, I missed Bedlam because I had. Well, I guess I never said this on the podcast, but I had COVID, so I couldn't go to Bedlam. Uh, but I went to every game except for that one, and the crowd on Saturday, as far as the feel of it, uh, the the look of it, it felt like all the games in 2020. I mean, it felt like a 2020 actual regular season football game crowd-wise. So, like you mentioned, that's pretty good for, a, I mean, a spring game in general. I mean, people were excited to get out there. It was a beautiful day, and uh, that definitely added a lot to it. So I, I was happy to get down there. Uh, personally, myself, I was happy to get down on the field for the first time since 2019 because they didn't let us on the field at all in 2020. They just had me shoot from up top. So it was nice to get down field level to see a lot of these guys close up. And we'll get into it and we'll talk about how these guys looked and how these guys played. But uh, uh, so, yeah, it was nice all the way around. And it was cool that you were there. I didn't know you were going to be there until we recorded the podcast last week. So uh, it was real simple, really easy. And uh, a good weekend for everybody, hopefully. And yeah, as far as I know, nobody got hurt. And it went it went well. Yeah, I was really, uh, I was very satisfied with how just kind of easy the process was to get in. And I, and I think, you know, to get into the stadium, it was, it was quick. All of the, you know, everything, all the tickets being mobile, uh, made it really easy. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I overall, like clearly a, a big success for OU, especially, you know, after going a year without the game. So, uh, you mentioned there what I think is, is probably the biggest takeaway, the most important takeaway from the spring game is there were no injuries. I think that's the most important thing. I'm trying to think. There was one guy. I want to say I did notice a corner. It might have been Eaton. It was Eaton. He, he kind of limped off kind of late in the game. He got his he, – when he was uh, – he made a really nice play on the ball. He, he, bro- he broke on it really quickly. Yeah. Uh, and he, uh, he he made a tackle. I think it was a tackle for loss, actually. And then while while he was kind of spinning the guy around, I, the guy's the guy's backside kind of landed awkwardly on his ankle, and it was just I mean it was clearly just a, a twisted ankle. So I, I had nothing to be worried about at all. But yeah, I mean that's that just shows you how there was no there was no scares. I mean, was it? Uh, I mean, it was 20, 2018 spring game when when uh, Trey Sermon looked like his season was over and. <laughs> He was fine. He ended up being okay that year. I think that was 2018, or was that 2017? No, I think that was. It wasn't. I, I think that was on. I think that was going into 2019. No, 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 it wasn't because the the 2019 one was the was the night game on a Friday, and I yeah yeah I think it, it was, was 2018. Yeah, it looked like Trey Sermon might have tore up his knee, and uh, then he was fine. So that was good. So none of that, thankfully. I think the best way to attack this post spring game discussion is just to kind of highlight individual players that caught our eye on Saturday and since I brought up Caleb Williams in the opening take and it seems like everybody out there has been talking about him and the way he played on Saturday I figure we got to get your take on Caleb Williams Grant so what do you think about his game um you know look, I'm gonna I'm gonna qualify this as in it doesn't necessarily matter because it's a spring game but I think I mean it's I don't think it's that much of a hot take to say he was objectively more impressive than Spencer Rattler was on Saturday um, and like, like I said, that's why I put the qualifier in there. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. I don't remember the last time an OU starting quarterback like had an excellent day in the spring game. So I, I'm not reading too much into it. But I, you know, how can you not be, you know, at least a little bit excited for what Caleb Williams brings to the table? Uh, in my eyes, the the biggest takeaway from him is just, I mean, dude is cool as a cucumber. Um, as a freshman, a guy, the guy who should still be in high school right now. Uh, he went out there and he was uh, it, he he was cool. He he was able to show off his athleticism running outside the hashes. Um, 
Also, you know, the thing that I noticed too, they, they had him running a lot of RPOs. Um, and so it kind of maybe gives you a bit of a preview of what the offense would look like with him in control. And um, I just, you know, th- this is a guy I told you, you know, his, his um, you were saying that, you know, when you watched his tape, a lot of it was just kind of him running and whatnot. But I just, uh, you know, I, his deep ball in, in high school, which was on display a lot of the time. Um, in this game, we kind of get we, we kind of got to see him, you know, throw in the mid range and, and throw like on rhythm. Um, and I just thought he was really impressive. The guy's a really good athlete, and um, the arm talent is undeniable. I, I feel like, and uh, I think the most important thing there is that it's probably that you know that's probably the most people he's ever played in front of in his life. And you know, admittedly, this it's a spring game, so it's a little more casual. Uh, but he, you know, he didn't shrink in the moment at all. He was out there and like I said, calm, cool, and collected. And he, he led some scoring drives. Um, and I think, I think Sooner fans should be pretty, pretty excited for this guy. Um, you know, I, I, uh, maybe one of my, maybe the biggest takeaway from him looking good is that, uh, OU just clearly is in, is in much better shape at QB2 than they have been since, you know, 2018 when it was, it was Austin Kendall and Tanner Mordecai. I, it's just, I, I think it's, it's fairly obvious that, that, that Caleb Williams is just a lot better than both of those guys. And um, as far as, like, the football season goes, you just never know. You, you never know when, when he's going to have to step in and play. And uh, from what I saw on Saturday, I'm, I'm, I'm at least a smidgen more confident and, you know, if, if he did have to take over over the course of the season. Yeah, it's a good point. It's, it's pretty undeniable to uh, our, our eyes tell you that in the last you know 2019 2018 2017 even though you can't think of really uh actually you know the last starting quarterback that played pretty well in the spring game for you was probably Jalen Hurts yeah <laughs> Jalen Hurts, Hurts was played okay. pretty well Hurts was okay yeah uh, uh, but nobody you know Hurts Kyler Murray Baker Mayfield none of those guys have really been outshined by the backup with the exception I guess maybe you could make an argument that Kyler maybe outshine Baker a little bit in 2017 but I mean Kyler didn't do a whole lot in that game either he had a a long run maybe maybe a a completion but that was kind of a I don't really remember a whole lot from that game standing out but the point is is Caleb Williams actually had the talent and the ability to to show up and play really well in a day when Spencer Rattler was was off He, he, he wasn't very sharp and Caleb Williams at least early on in the game it definitely changed it went on but early on in the game the second team offense that Caleb Williams was was a part of they were going up against the first team Oklahoma defense for the for at least the first couple of series and then Alex Grinch made a lot of wholesale changes here and there and mixed and matched guys throughout the game going up against the first team offense and the second team offense but it's it's impressive that he was going against some of the you know OU's top guys and still played that well so uh, but yeah I mean I, I just mentioned Spencer Rattler briefly there I, I I did want to touch on on him a little bit because last week I said, hey, I'd be really disappointed if Spencer Rattler didn't play very well. And so I'm going to – I'm I'm not really disappointed, but I am. I'm I'm disappointed that he was not very sharp. He kind of looked like he was kind of going through the motions out there. He was was 6 of 14. I mean, he completed fewer than 50% of his passes, 116 yards, no touchdowns. I think about 50 of those yards came on a play that could have gone either way, could have been an interception. DJ Graham went up and – and high pointed it, but he, but Mario Williams got his hands on it, so they gave him the catch. So that ball could have gone either way; it could easily have been incomplete. And then, you know, Rattler's six of six of fifteen, or I guess five of fifteen, or what's the math there? Yeah, five of fourteen. Sorry, for you know, 
60 yards. And it's like, man, that's just, it's not a very good day. Uh, I, he only had one scoring drive that he led. Uh, that was a field goal, the first series of the second half. And as Caleb Williams early on in the game was going up against the ones, I mean, Spencer Rattler was going up against the twos early in the game and couldn't lead a touchdown drive. I, I thought he made a good throw to Mario Williams on that first series on that deep, that deep fade back shoulder fade. It was a, I mean, it was a, a pretty high, not, not high risk, but it was a, a very low percentage completion probably considering it was fourth down and six they went deep I thought that was a pretty good throw Williams just couldn't make the play and I thought Kendall Dennis had pretty good coverage but aside from that I there, there wasn't really any throws from Spencer Rattler that I was like oh that's that's a nice that's a nice throw there good decision he kind of just seemed like again like he was kind of going through the motions Grant what did you what did you feel like uh about Rattler's play you know I just I wasn't I'm just not too concerned about it for the most part. I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I just it, it felt like when he was in there, there it just wasn't it wasn't as smooth as Caleb Williams, and it wasn't it just. But I feel like that's that maybe isn't fully his fault. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd probably have to go back and watch it more. I just I, I feel like the the game that Riley was calling was just radically different between Williams and and Rattler. It seemed like uh, it seemed like Riley was kind of more apt to give. To, to get Caleb Williams in, in more of a rhythm. And I didn't see that with Rattler. Like they, you know, they, they definitely were setting up big shot plays for him. Um, and so maybe that's why probably is why his, his completion percentage was so low. Um, and yeah, I, and you talked about how, you know, you would be disappointed if Spencer Rattler played well. One of the things that I mentioned at the end of the last show was like, yeah, I mean, I, I think it'd be pretty disappointing if, if the wide receivers don't play well. Um, and I don't like I, I I thought the wide receivers were the most disappointing position group in the entire game. Uh, I just I didn't see uh, like the scholarship wide receivers. I didn't see a whole lot of separation. Um, you know I I think uh, of course you know Mario Williams has has the numbers. I think he led the you know led the team in receiving in the game. But I think everyone would kind of kind of agree the the receiver who had the best game was Jackson Sumlin. You know who's who's a walk on. So. Um, I don't know. I just I, I thought I thought that bit of it was kind of disappointing, and and really like Rattler just didn't really have anyone open to throw to mm-hmm. when he was in there. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, it, it just it didn't have much flow to it. Um, I mean, he again the the deep ball to Williams. I mean, it could have gone either way. I mean, it was almost picked off by Graham. He almost had another another ball picked off in the end zone. He forced the ball to Austin Stogner. Bryson Washington had both hands on it, but Stogner was able to rip it away. And I mean, how many? times that we see Spencer Rattler kind of force the ball to Austin Stogner in 2020 and it just worked out I mean the Texas game comes to mind right away just hey I'm gonna get this the ball to one of my, one of my best players and he's gonna box people out and it works out uh, so clearly they're kind of working on that they're like yeah hey, let's let's do this like the classic my guy's better than your guy let's force it to him but it was almost picked off so I it, it, I wanted him to play well he really didn't play well it I know it's practice in the spring I I get it but I, I think it'd be cooler, a lot cooler if he would have been a little more sharp. But it, you know what this probably is? It, yeah, the, the play calling maybe was a little different and maybe you know, Riley wanted to kind of throw some things at Rattler. But also what it probably is, is that it's been a month of spring practice and this defense has seen this offense all the time. And it's a lot easier to play defense whenever you, you've seen an offense over and over and over again. That's probably a big part of what happened. And so going into the summer... 
it's obviously no one's going to remember or care about his spring performance. But since it's a couple of days afterwards and we have a podcast, we're going to go into a little more detail about it than normally anybody probably should go into. <laughs> uh, but yeah, do you think I mean, the fact that they've been practicing for so long, I mean, the, the defense usually gets a little bit of an yeah, advantage. That's over time. A, that 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 was a massive factor in the game. You, you can't tell me otherwise. Um and yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like, I mean, they were fairly vanilla in the game, obviously. Uh, the only thing, you know, in terms of like a play calling thing that stood out to me is what I already mentioned is, is when, Caleb, when Caleb, Caleb Williams was in there, uh, they ran a lot of RPOs and I just, I found that interesting. Um, but other than that, I mean, it's it just, there, there wasn't a whole lot of creativity going on. You know, they tried the reverse with Mario Williams that he fumbled, um, and really, I, overall, and, and we'll, we'll get into more detail with individual players and whatnot, but I, I think overall, even even though the score on the scoreboard said otherwise, uh, I think everyone would agree, right, that the defense was was considerably more impressive than the offense was. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that for sure. So let's go through players that stood out to us, and I made a list of offense, defense, and uh you, you got a list as well, and I'm sure there's probably some overlap here, so whenever we overlap, we'll go over it, but we'll start on the offensive side, and an easy one to begin with is the guy from our intro, and that's Eric Gray, and it's the first time we've seen him in an Oklahoma uniform, and obviously the touchdown run stands out, but also, I mean, they got him the football the very first snap of the game. They went empty. They split him out, and they threw it to him. We've heard all about his ability to catch the football out of the backfield. Obviously, at that point, he was lined up as a receiver. But he had a catch there. I think he had another catch later in the game. I, he, the stats they gave us after the game aren't very accurate because it says he only he didn't have any yards receiving, which the very first play of the game, I think, was a first down. I think he had 12 or 13 yards on that play. But uh, Eric Ray definitely stood out. He kind of saw a flash of his athleticism, why we're so high on him. And of all the running backs, aside from uh, <laughs> Jaden Knowles, I think Eric Gray stood out the the most, and that's that's kind of obvious. So, what did you think about Eric Gray's game? I thought it looked great. I thought that was a really good first impression for sure. Um, you know, getting him involved early in the passing game, the very first play of the game, that was fun to see. Uh, I love the idea of those five wide sets where he can be used as a receiving threat. I really do. Um, you can just kind of look at Alabama this past season and how much they used Najee Harris uh, in the or Najee Harris in the in the, in the passing game to see how you know how valuable that can potentially be. Um, another thing is I, I just, I really love that him and Kennedy Brooks have very different running styles. Um, and I think those two are going to complement each other really, really well. Of course, health notwithstanding. So, um, I do have a question for you on, on Eric Gray though. I mean, do we, do we read too much into him starting over Brooks? Um, man, Brooks didn't Let's see Brooks didn't see the field. I don't think until the, I think Brooks only had two carries. Yeah, I, th- I think he only had two touches. Let me see what the stats tell us, even though they're not the greatest. Yeah, it says Brooks had two carries for eight yards, and his first carry he slipped. I think he was technically on the first team. So, like, with, yeah, like he came in Spencer Rattler's second series, and he didn't play a whole lot. Uh, I, I don't. I mean, I think you can read into it a little bit. I, I think Eric Gray right now is. I mean, I still think it's probably more like one A, one B. Because, I mean, knowing Lincoln Riley, he likes to use multiple running backs. And he knows Kennedy Brooks is really good. But, I mean, he obviously shined a little bit more than Kennedy Brooks did in that game. And him starting, him getting the first reps out there after Kennedy Brooks is a veteran on this team. And I know he, he sat out last year, but, I mean, I don't think they're going to hold that against Kennedy Brooks. Yeah, I think that means something. I mean, 
they like Eric Gray quite a bit, and we talked about it a couple weeks ago. I mean, DeMarco Murray couldn't stop saying amazing things about the guy, and we've seen his tape at Tennessee, and we saw a little bit of flashes on Saturday. He's a legitimate, really good running back in college football. So, I, yeah, I, I, as of right now, I would probably say he is probably the starting running back on this team. And another thing we saw, you know, a, a fairly large amount of, you know, relatively speaking for a football game that only was an hour long, uh, we saw a lot of two-back sets with Gray and Brooks in the backfield. And, you know, a lot. I mean, there was maybe like seven or eight plays where that was the case. Um, but I, I thought that's interesting. I, I, I do think that is, that's definitely a preview of something that we're going to see quite a bit uh, in the fall. I think back to 2017, I guess parts of 2018, when Lincoln Riley loved to do the two running back, whether it was Trey Sermon and Rodney Anderson in 2017, whether it's Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon in 2018, not as much of that last year when the running back depth and the running back talent just wasn't there. And even whenever Ramondre Stevenson came back, it wasn't a whole lot of Ramondre and TJ Pledger. It, it was just it was mainly Ramondre and I guess you know you throw in Jeremiah Hall obviously and Mikey Henderson and whatnot. But now maybe we're going to get back to the days where Lincoln Riley's comfortable playing two running backs out there at the same time, which obviously probably gives him a little bit more flexibility and can allow him to be a little bit more creative with who he's going to get the ball to and what he can do with with said running backs. And, you know, maybe you add, hopefully, Spencer Rattler becomes a little bit more elusive and maybe becomes a little bit more athletic and better runner. That will add to this offense as well. So, I, interesting. Yeah, I, I did notice that as well. Uh, Marcus Major and Mike Henderson were the other two guys kind of in the, in the twos running it. But, uh, yeah, something to watch out for whenever fall camp starts and obviously whenever the season begins. Next player on the list on the offense, I put it Mario Williams down. And just because it really seemed like Spencer Rattler was he was like Rattler's number one guy. I mean, he was getting him the ball or trying to get him the ball the most. Like you said earlier, he had the most receptions. I wouldn't be surprised if he played the most snaps, at least from the ones. Uh, it didn't seem like they wanted to use Marvin Mims a whole lot. It seemed like they kind of sparingly threw him out there. Uh, obviously, we know he's going to be one of the main guys this year. And then, you know, Jaden Hazelwood like played a little bit here and there. But I did see the flashes of Mario Williams. I was happy with what I saw. It, and mainly because it, it seemed like they were really confident and they wanted to get him the football as much as he could, even though he didn't really do a whole lot. Let me look at his numbers real fast to see if it seems like these numbers are, are legitimate. Yeah, I mean, he had five catches for 84 yards, according to the stats. And granted, a, a big chunk of those was that long 50-50 ball. But I liked what I saw from Mario Williams in the, in the first time we've ever actually seen him play. Yeah, like, a, you know, a couple weeks ago, or it could have been last month, I can't remember. I, you know, I made a comment of, obviously, I'm excited to see Mario Williams. I'm excited to see what sort of like kind of X factor potential he could, you know, he could bring to this offense. Um, but I also qualified that by saying I, I don't expect him at all to be a you know a major player. That's, that's not my expectation for him. Um, and after the game on Saturday, I'm I'm starting to think that that's you know a little more likely him being an impact player because um, like you said I, I do I do believe he played the most snaps of anyone on the ones and there was a concerted effort to get him the ball and so um, we'll see kind of how it shapes up with uh, with health as the season goes on and how many receivers they actually trot out there on a regular basis uh, but I, I mean I, I think it's pretty clear we're we're gonna see a lot of Mario Williams this fall. 
Next guy I have on my list, and I just mentioned him a moment ago. I put Jaden Hazelwood down, but for just the one play, the catch. And it was a great catch. I was right there for it. had a great look at it. Really nice throw, but an even better catch by Jaden Hazelwood. Outside of that, he, he was quiet. I don't know how many snaps he played. There was one snap you know, kind of early in the game where if Rattler would have gone through all of his progressions, I think he would have seen Hazelwood wide open, and you could, Hazelwood would have been able to make an explosive play, but he ended up going to somebody else. But I just wanted to highlight the fact that I was impressed by Jaden Hazelwood's really nice catch. Uh, outside of that, though, I didn't really notice anything else from him. Obviously, as time goes on and the knee continues to get more and more healthy, you hope that he's going to get closer and closer to 100%. I wonder if he's going to be playing with a brace when the season begins, if that's going to be just something like a precautionary thing. How much does the brace slow him down? Does it affect that at all? I, I, can't, like, I don't know why it wouldn't. Maybe it does. I don't know. I don't know anything about those braces, but that's kind of something to look forward that I'm going to look forward to in the fall is will he still have that brace on his knee? Because I would assume that slows you down a tick. It doesn't allow you to get your, you know, maybe be as fast as possible. And will Jaden Hazelwood turn into some guy that's kind of just like a big body possession type receiver? Whereas when we saw him for the first time in 2019, he, he was that big, tall, athletic, fast guy that could stretch the field and be an explosive type player. That's what y'all want him to get back to. I, it's too early to tell, though, what he's going to be, though, in 2021. So your thoughts on Hazelwood? I mean, obviously, that catch was great. Um, other than that, he was he was fairly invisible over the course of the game. And that's, that's not really a knock on him. Um, as I was walking around the stadium uh, after the game ended, I was just, you know, just sort of walking around and kind of, I haven't been there in a while, so I sort of wanted to take it in a little bit. And, uh, you know, of course, when you walk around, they have the, the, the post-game radio playing, you know, in, in the stadium. And I, I was able to hear Toby Rowland ask about Jaden Hazelwood, and and um, Lincoln Riley said that you know yeah Jaden is he said he's at about eighty or eighty five percent healthy right now, um, and if that's the case, I'm I'm just happy that he was able to play and be and go out there and like I said that was a great catch, great catch, um, but I don't I don't think he's fully healthy yet, uh, uh, fully healthy yet. I don't think he's regained a lot of that explosiveness. Uh, the good news there is that we're here kind of at the end of April and there's still four months for him to get right. Um, and you know, an extra four months. And it's, I think it's been about a year since he tore his ACL. And so it's, he's already up to this point after 12 months, you know, another four months is going to do a lot of good and he's already, you know, he's been practicing. Um, and so I, I think, you know, he's progressing really well. And so I'm, I'm kind of I don't really want to to make any sort of sweeping declarations on him in this game just because one it's a spring game it doesn't really matter and uh, and two from you know from the horse's mouth Lincoln Riley's saying this guy's not this guy's not fully healthy right now he's still got kind of a ways to go in his recovery and uh, I'm assuming that's I mean that's going to be his main focus over the next you know 90 days 100 days until they until they put the pads back on all right and the last guy on my offensive list is an offensive lineman Andrew Rame, and so the last time we left you here on West of Everest, uh, the <laughs> we were talking about at center, Chris Murray, Robert Conjol, Ian McIver, and then it comes out uh, the the day after this podcast came out, or I guess the day it came out, whenever you listen to it, Andrew Rame talked, and Andrew Rame told uh, told us all that he had been taking snaps at center with the ones, and lo and behold, the spring game starts, and he is the number one center. He's on the first team. He's snapping, and and 
I don't think I don't I didn't see Chris Murray play center once in that game. I didn't see I don't think Robert Conjol played at all in the game. And for the twos, Ian McIver was snapping to Caleb Williams. And so that is I mean, that's different from the last episode. Andrew Rame is a guy that I know you in the offseason has been talking about how you want him him to push other guys. And and I'll, I'll let you go into more detail here in a moment but uh, you, you were you've been saying that you were hoping that he'd push one of the guards and take over one of those guard spots well now grant it looks like it's pretty clear that he has a stranglehold right now going into the summer on the center position replacing creed humphrey so that's uh, and granted like again i'm i always say this about offensive line i'm not an expert on offensive line x's and o's and whatnot but as far as i could tell he seemed like he did pretty pretty well in the game and they like him a lot at center at least they like him more than anybody else so that's interesting I wanted to bring that up and the fact that we have this scholarship guy that was a very highly recruited player that everybody was excited about last year and played a you know decent amount last year potentially now in year two becoming the starting center replacing Creed Humphrey that's significant but Grant again you mentioned that you were hoping that he would push and maybe be a starter as a guard what are your thoughts now on Ray looking like he he could potentially win the center job well so I mean are we I like I said are, are we willing to maybe go out on a length there and say that's what it's going to be this year that he, I are you like are, I mean obviously if we if we do like a post spring depth chart or something like that I mean we're, we're clearly both going to put him you know on the top line at the center position yes but my you know but my logic there essentially was you know Chris Murray coming from UCLA Chris Murray started a lot of games at center for UCLA, so I just kind of figured that was the that was kind of the most logical solution there. Um, but the reason I was talking about Andrew Rame, you know, pushing pushing the uh, you know Hayes and Robinson at those two guard spots, is just with the assumption that I think Andrew Rame is very likely one of the five best offensive linemen on this team. And generally speaking, right, you want the five best guys out there at, at all times, or as or as much as humanly possible. If Andrew Rame can come in and he can and he can play a, a competent center. Um, you know, with his pedigree and, and, and his talent and his, his kind of his um, uh, his reputation as a as, as a technician coming in. I mean, that's that's great. That's awesome. Can, you know, because we know at center, a lot of it is about leverage. A lot of it is is about using your intelligence to, to identify the defenses. Uh, we know Andrew Rame comes from a good background there. He's a smart guy. And, um, I, you know, this this kind this excites me a little bit uh, because it, it, it does it. It tells me that the coaches are 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 seeing that this guy is really good and um i you know i during the game i didn't really i didn't notice him too much but i a lot of the times with a with an offensive lineman that's probably a good thing um i i, I yeah with you i just thought the most interesting thing was that he was with the ones at the center position and what i mean it wasn't until like a week or a week and a half ago was the first we had ever we the first we had heard that he was working at center so um, this definitely changes the calculus and my thinking on this going forward. Um, and so like, it's, it's looking now, like, I, I, I don't think Marquise Hayes is going to be un, unseated there at left guard. Um, you know, we saw Chris Murray, Chris Murray only ever played right guard last year. And so I, I think, I think right now going into the, you know, at the end of spring, going into the summer, I think it's pretty fair to say that right now on the offensive line, the, the battle is going to be at right guard, right, between Murray and Robinson. I, I think that's going to be one of the things to circle for fall practice for us to, uh, to watch out for. Yeah, and to clarify, Chris Murray played right guard exclusively on Saturday, and Tyrese Robinson didn't play in the game. I saw him down on the field, but he was not dressed. So he was there, but he didn't play. So, uh, yeah, interesting. It's, uh, and also Anton Harrison was, was not able to play. And we're, we're going to talk about the guys who didn't play a little bit later. 
But uh, and also, I was just thinking about this as you were talking. If Andrew Ram is the guy that ends up winning this job, and he ends up playing a, a good center, and you know, it's it's tough. You know, he's not going to be as good as Creed Humphrey unless he's some elite, crazy, insane center that you know they just didn't know they had until right now. But it's nice that this could potentially happen because now you're replacing a guy, Creed Humphrey, who started for three years with another young player who could potentially start on the line for 2021, 2022, and then, you know, depending on how good he is, maybe even 2023. Uh, so that, I mean, as opposed to throwing a guy like Chris Murray for, you know, one year transition into the next guy you find at center. That would be nice if they already found a long-term center for, you know, to replace Creed Humphrey. So it will, I mean, it seems like right now they may have, but obviously we'll see what happens when the fall gets here. And you know, I mean, Bill Biedenboe says it a lot. He's, or he's, um, he, he always, he's, he wants to find the best five guys and the best combination. And, and clearly in the last couple of weeks in practice or, or however long it's been, uh, they've made a determination that Andrew Rame is probably one of those five guys. At least that's where it is in this snapshot of time right now. And uh, I mean, that's that's exciting to me. I, I think there's a lot of I'm not the only one in the fan base who is who is rooting for Andrew Rame to come in and start on the offensive line this year. That's just that's a I, I think that is a that's a sign of progress there. Um, and, you know, looking, you know, going forward, I think we know the offensive line is a really is, is going to be kind of a wild card this upcoming season where they definitely need to take some pretty big steps in order for this team to be able to achieve their ultimate goals. And uh, let's hope that this is that this is kind of the first step to uh, to clearing up the picture there on the offensive line. All right. So my list was Eric Gray, Mario Williams, Jaden Hazelwood for one play and Andrew Rame. Did you have anybody else on the offense that you wanted to talk about that stood out to you? I didn't know. Um, and like I said earlier, I just, you know, for the, for the over the course of the game, the offense just wasn't particularly impressive. Um, it kind of seemed like whenever whenever they did move the ball, it was, it was Caleb Williams and it was just kind of dinking and dunking. Uh, not uh, Caleb Williams didn't really take any massive shots or anything like that. But um, no, I, I just, uh, the offense was just kind of vanilla and just sort of not really that exciting for the most part. And that's okay. That's all right. Um, you know, if you're, if you want to take a glass half full approach to it, you can start to get really excited about the defense, which I already said was, was more impressive than the offense. And um, I, I told, this is what I told you before, uh, we got we got on the podcast here. We started recording uh, that just the, the defense. It's it's so clear. And I know I'm I'm transitioning to the defense here. We'll, we'll start talking about them. It's this was it, you, you, of course you saw it a little bit in the, in this last season with the defense taking some pretty big steps forward from 2019. But I I'm just I'm kind of taken aback. And and maybe this was just sort of the the first time that it was fully on display because we were able to see a lot of the new guys and, and some of the freshmen. But the talent that they have infused into this defense is it's it's happened quickly. It's happened really quick. Um we are we're a we're a really long ways away from 2018, man. They're just there are just a lot better players on that defense now. I think it's pretty I think that's blatantly obvious yeah and in the easy position group to look at to display evidence of that is obviously the secondary and, and being down on the field on Saturday it was neat to see some of these young guys and guys that have been on the roster but you know I haven't really seen close up much but uh, I'll, I'll go over a, a couple players on defense that stood out to me and it was nice to see them on the field and just the way they played and so the the number one guy that I want to talk about on defense is Billy Bowman. 
And we talked about him early on in the spring because Lincoln Riley was talking him up a little bit. And, you know, the kind of the, the fun potential of him maybe getting some snaps on offense. And then we actually saw him return one of the kicks. I mean, they really weren't doing kick return and punt return, you know, full speed. But you know, he's a guy that's an excellent returner. And we're going to see him, you know, returning kicks and punts probably this fall. And Billy Bowman is out there starting at nickel with the ones on defense. Granted, Jeremiah Cradell is one of the players who was out. And early on in the spring practice, we heard from Jeremiah Cradell. And it sounded like he was the you know the one at that point, but for whatever reason he didn't didn't play. So Billy Bowman's next up, and and who knows maybe over time Billy maybe Billy Bowman actually took over and he actually is the number one guy right now. And I wouldn't be surprised based on the way he played. He looked really good. And the the main thing that stood out to to me was his pass breakup at the goal line uh, against one on one against Marvin Mims. Spencer Rattler tried to hit Mims with a little back shoulder throw at the goal line and Billy Bowman was playing man on him in the slot as a slot you know nickel corner or slot corner whatever you want to call it and he played it perfectly I mean it was base you know low base like hips balanced and reached over batted it away I mean it made it look really easy and granted it, it maybe it's just because he's seen that play a million times in practice and it's just like yep this is what I do on this play but Billy Bowman stood out to me makes me excited and that's the position we've talked about a lot. Who's going to replace Spooky at nickel? And we didn't see Jeremiah Cradell, but we saw Billy Bowman. And from what I saw from him, I was I was impressed. And and you know the the two halves of play. What did you think? Yeah, I thought Bowman looked good. Um, I, I I'm not really sure that he stood out as much to me as he as he did to you. But that's in a spring game. That's not that's not bad because a lot of the times when you stand out in a spring game, it's for negative reasons. Um. And to me, yeah, I, I thought that breakup at the at the goal line on Marvin Mims was impressive, and it, just like a lot of those freshmen, it was just they they just seemed like they belonged. It was like, you know, I'm here, I'm on this team, and I I belong here, and I'm going to make some plays. It, it seems like a lot of those guys have kind of brought that swagger, and uh, yeah, it's just it's what more can you say about it? Like other than it's just like it it, it goes right back into what we said, just the infusion of talent here, and. I, Billy Bowman, like it wouldn't surprise me, like if uh, in 2018, if Billy Bowman would have would have stepped in and started right away, probably, and that's probably yeah. that's yeah, it's like that's, that's not a crazy thing. That's to not say even at all that's not that a preposterous secondary. statement. No, um, and now it's like he's he's definitely not going to be asked to come in and, and start and play a vast majority of the snaps, and that's I mean that's won't that's he? A, well, I guess we'll, I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. I don't know. It seems like Cordell is, is supposed to be the guy, but. If if Billy Bowman is just too good, they can't keep him off the field. I guess we'll we'll find out. Um, but I kind of wanted to transition. Um, I, I this is uh, to the guy that this is the guy that stood out to me the most during the game. And like I said, you know, it's spring game, so so take it with a bit of grain of salt if you want. Um, but DJ Graham, man, uh, I love this guy. I love him. Um, and this isn't uh, not trying to dis- not trying to disparage Woody Washington at all, who I think can be can be really great, a really great player for OU. Um, but I, it, to me, it's obvious that DJ Graham has the highest ceiling of all the corners. Um, I think he is arguably the most fluidly athletic player on this team, um, and he he's going to make a ton of plays. He is a longer, more athletic Aaron Colvin, and I, I just this. This guy's he he he's he's a future first round draft pick at corner. Uh, I I love this guy. Oh my gosh! Okay, easy easy, buddy. Yeah, it, hot he take does, hot take. <laughs> yeah, uh, he does play a lot longer and bigger than he actually is because I think we talked about this before. He's I think he's only like five eleven. Uh, so I 
he is a little more rangy than than you would expect. Maybe he's got super long arms. I I, I don't know what it is, but he does. He just looks a lot more confident out there. And we saw him come on late, middle portion of last year, and he looked confident out there. But yeah, I mean, he he probably should have had an interception. Uh, I, he, I saw he tweeted out, "Hey man, that that you know," he tweeted at the play and said, "Yeah, no, I caught that. That, that was my interception." Uh, later in the game, he blew up uh, a, a walk on on the sidelines, which was kind of mean, in my opinion. No, no I mean, it, so like he, it's this big guy. He, he clearly playing with a lot of a sl- uh, cl- lot of swagger, and he was on my list as well. Obviously, of, of guys who stood out to me. And it's just exciting to see what he's going to do. And Woody Washington was not available to play. I have heard that you know inside that program, they think Woody Washington actually has a chance to be a superstar type player as well. So, I, if, wow. I, just, I mean, what I, I if? Guess, <laughs> yeah, well, kind of where I'm coming from is just I, I guess when I watch those two guys, and you know they were on the field at the same time a lot in the in the latter stages of last season. I just I, I mean I think it's I think it's pretty clear that DJ Graham's a better athlete. Um, and that's not to say Woody Washington isn't a great athlete. Um, I just DJ Graham is on a different level of how fluidly and how smooth he moves. Um, I just let that uh, the interception that he had, which was not an interception, is I, he made that play look really easy. He made yeah. it look really, really easy. And it wasn't because, I mean, there was a traffic of guys there and he was able to concentrate and go up and high point the ball. And um, I, I just, yeah. I love this guy. Keep an eye out for him. I had the hot take. I'm I'm gonna stand with it. And of course, if I'm wrong, I'll I'll come on and I'll I'll shame myself. But um, I just it, OU hasn't had a guy who looks like this at corner in a really long time. Yeah, I'm reserving judgment. I, I'm not. I don't. I don't think he's first round draft pick talent. I mean, let's let's actually let's let's just try to get a defensive back drafted from OU for the first time and. Like five. I mean, let's see if Trey Brown can do it. Let's see if some uh, Trey Norwood can can do it. I, I, nope, uh, I'm going. To, actually, no, he's going to be the number one overall pick. Okay, see, that's <laughs> you know what you're starting to convince me a little bit more with your confidence here. Uh, talking about how athletic G- DJ Graham is, you know who who might be is probably definitely a top three athlete on the team, if not the best athlete on the team, is is Clayton Smith. That I mean, based on pound for pound, six four, like two thirty or whatever he is. Seeing him on the field, this is the the, the other guy that stood out to me, and kind of similar to Billy Bowman. Where now that I'm thinking more about it, going through my notes, there's not a whole lot of plays to really point to. Like, oh, he made this play. Like Billy Bowman had that that PBU, and that was kind of it. But I kind of watched him a little bit, moving around, covering guys in the slot, off the ball, and looked looked fine. Clayton Smith had a tackle for loss late in the game. Came up, made a tackle in the hole, made it look easy. Aside from that, he didn't. I think he might have had one other tackle, but just uh, he got in the face of Caleb Williams. I mentioned a lot earlier on, on a rush, and Caleb Williams was able to get away from it. But it's just his his size and his athleticism, and I can't get his high school tape out of my head. It was just so dominating. I, I'm so excited to see how they use him and utilize him. He he wasn't he wasn't part of the the ones or the twos, but he he mixed them in later in the game and played a lot of snaps. So that's the other guy. Just seeing him in person. Uh, was impressive, and I, I, you know, like I think a lot of people in this fan base, it's just how are they going to use this guy? It they could get really creative with it, and they could have a lot of fun with Clayton Smith. He looks the part, right? I mean, he definitely does. Um, and as we were sort of pumping up over the course, you know, leading up to the spring game, we're saying, you know, this this guy looks physically ready, and we were mostly saying that based off of looking at pictures that the program had posted on on Twitter and whatnot. 
But, it, I mean, it was nice to see him actually kind of up close there. And, yeah, he, he looks the park. He is very, very clearly physically ready to contribute on this defense. And um, what I saw, like, yeah, I, I mean, I saw maybe a couple of tackles, but I saw some other plays where he was doing a, just a good job of being disciplined and, and setting the edge, doing a good job that way. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really confident we're going to see a lot of him this year. So, um I, I was even kind of joking around because it's it his the part of his tape that just that absolutely boggles my mind is when he's mossing dudes in the end zone on offense, and so if he's a defensive end in in high school and they're sending him out on on fade routes like it's hilarious yeah dudes like running slot fades and then <laughs> and then um so I, I was saying like uh so back in the um uh, the 2015 Orange Bowl the the college football playoff semifinal. If everyone remembers, the game was tied at seven, I think, sometime in the first half. I think it was the first quarter. Clemson was pretty deep in their own territory on fourth down, and they were punting. And then Dabo calls a calls a fake punt, and he throws like a like a weird fade to uh, to Christian Wilkins, who is a you know a future first round uh, defensive line draft pick. And uh, that was kind of before Christian Wilkins was a thing. And I, I was joking around with Lee. I was like, man, they should, uh, you can only run that once, of course. It, it'll only ever work once. But I hope they have, like, I, I hope they're playing around with an idea of, like, somehow, like, throwing this guy the ball in, in like, a trick sort of way. Because, like I said, you know, like you said, how often are your defensive ends, you know, <laughs> mossing guys in the end zone? That's just, it's just a testament to his unreal athletic ability. And so I, I hope. I hope they look for any way possible to leverage that. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if the creative juices will be flowing because we already know that they've seen Billy Bowman and what he did offensively in high school, and they, they're telling us that they're going to utilize him in some form or fashion offensively, maybe some packages, some plays. So, I mean, I don't know how you can't watch Clayton Smith's tape and not think the same thing. We have to figure out a way potentially to get this guy the football if if we can't. Obviously, it's it's not the same as a Billy Bowman who's more of like a um, what's the right, what's the right word? Uh, not special player. Uh, spe- yeah, I guess a specialist. No, a, u- a utility guy. Uh, no, like what are you like a like a wide receiver, running back? What it, I, an athlete? I'm I'm getting blanking. I, I don't know. I mean, you're yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no. I forget what I He's, just said. I don't. There. He plays Nickelback. Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, sure. And let's let's play some Nickelback because it's what I deserve because I can't think of the right word, but that's not right. Um, doesn't matter. Anyways, uh, those are the three guys I had: Billy Bowman, DJ Graham, and Clayton Smith. Anybody else on defense that stood out to you that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I want to talk about Caleb Kelly. Mm. Um, dude, uh, and this is, this was what I, I just, when I was going back and rewatching the, the TV broadcast is what I kept saying to you, just that dude looks freaking huge. Uh, like his, his upper body, his arms are, it's so very clearly he's taken a step up physically, uh, which is extremely impressive considering that he's, he's torn his ACL in back to back years. Um, the fact, I mean, it just dude's clearly been putting work in, in, in the weight room when he's, you know, when he's been rehabbing his knee. And so, um, you know, he, he almost made an amazing play kind of now, uh, you know, kind of down near the goal line when he batted down uh, a, a quick pass from Spencer Rattler that he I'm pretty sure he had his hands on it. And he could have picked it off if it wasn't, you know, like a, a bullet from from close range. But, you know, it's like I said, you know, qualifying that it is only the spring game. He looked really healthy. And um, like, what are the chances, Lee, that he finally like puts it all together in his sixth and final season? 
It's you know, pro- that's probably a little too storybook to to really put a lot of stock into it. That's kind of fun to think about, though, isn't it? Yeah, we were kind of joking about that earlier today. It just what if, what if there's a, a reality in which after all the injuries and uh, comes you know this five star guy that played pretty well in 2016 his first year, and then after that a mixture of kind of underwhelming play and getting injured a lot. He comes in and finally he's healthy and it's like October and we're just watching Caleb Kelly dominate and thinking, man, why can't David Ogwebu and Deshaun White and, and Brian Osamo, why can't they play as, as good as Caleb Kelly's playing? This is ridiculous. Like what? I mean, that's a probably a fantasy world, but uh, whenever you see a guy that looks as big and, and talented as, as he is, and we know he, he has the capable, capability of being, and I think you were kind of unsure of whether or not whether or not he played in this game, and he did, and he looked fine. He looked good. Uh, it, it definitely makes you think, okay, maybe he is a guy that can get on the field a lot more this year in a very crowded linebacker room than maybe we originally thought a couple weeks ago. And so, yeah, I'm excited about that, just especially like everyone knows, he's such a good guy. Uh, everyone loves him, and, and he spoke earlier this spring. We didn't talk about it much here on the podcast, but I liked his attitude because uh, he people would ask him, did you think about hanging it up, retiring from football? And he, he said, honestly, like the only time I've ever thought about that is when people are asking me if I'm thinking about hanging up football. Like, no, like, why would I? I'm still like, I'm still good at it. Why would I stop playing? Like, I never even thought about that. And it's like, yeah, and he, he told us that before he got hurt last year, last fall, he, he said he was starting. He was one of the starting linebackers and then he got hurt. So in his head, in his mind, he's like, I mean, I was supposed to be a starter last year. I got injured. So I'm healthy now. I'm supposed to be a starter now. That's probably the, his mentality. And he's a veteran. He knows his defense now. I'm, I, so it's just it's a guy you root for and a guy that potentially could be really good. And especially if he can stay healthy, the sky's the limit. So I'm glad you brought him up. And it's not. I, I think it's worth remembering, too, that in the latter stages of 2018, and I'm mostly kind of thinking about the Big 12 championship game, in the Orange Bowl as well. I, I think he was playing his best football as a Sooner at, at that point in time, and that's when he started to get injured after that. And so hopefully he can kind of just pick up right where he left off there, except this time in a much better scheme that is probably going to highlight his, you know, his, uh, his talents a lot more than you know, the Mike Stoops and Ruffin McNeil scheme of yesteryear. <laughs> Very true. Anybody else on defense that you want to talk about? I just I, I wanted to, um, and you already kind of alluded to this earlier, um, but I, I just kind of wanted to talk about the secondary as a whole because I thought they were they were pretty good on on Saturday, and um, I already said you know the, the work that they put in recruiting is blindingly obvious, especially when you turn on the TV broadcast, you can see the length a lot better of those guys, uh, and it's just length and athleticism across the board. And I think a lot of those guys are, are raw still, but man, I mean, give me. Give me raw, talented, athletic guys over bad, not talented guys who get burned all the time. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I just I want to, you know, Josh Eaton to me has looked like he he's put on some pounds. You know, when you when you saw him in the fall, whenever he was out there sparingly, he he looked he looked pretty skinny. Uh, to me, it looked like he you know he he had a lot a lot more definition in his arms and his biceps. Um, and I, I think that's great. That's 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 a sign that he's putting in the work, and and that was a big that was a big thing that he needed to do this off season so he could be physically you know ready to hold up over the course of a season in college football. Um, you already mentioned that the nice play that Kendall Dennis had. Um, I, I just I, I want to highlight that again because he was one on one against Mario Williams on a slot fade, and he, it was it was nearly perfect coverage. He looked good. Um, he, he had another kind of demerit later in the game. He basically tackled Jaden Hazelwood on, on a PI, 
Um, but other than that, you know, it's it, it's nice to see a guy like Kendall Dennis, who we didn't hear from at all last season whatsoever, uh, look, I mean, look very competent and, and pretty comfortable out there for the most part. Um, Key Lawrence was quiet, but he, you know, I, I think it is worth mentioning that he was with the ones in this game. Um, and of course, you know, we know Pat Fields is out and we know, uh, we know Justin Broyles is out as well. And it, it, apparently Justin Broyles has had a really good spring, but you know, he didn't have any busts, no, outs- no, no outstanding plays either, but his length and his size is apparent. And, um, that's what this coaching staff wants. I mean, you just listen to them that they, they've definitely wanted length and size in the secondary and, and Key Lawrence absolutely brings that to them. So. Uh, another thing, you know, Jordan Mukes seemed to probably have the roughest day of all the scholarship DBs, but you know, I, to me, I, he, he was a guy who was always going to be a project anyway, just because I think he's only been playing football for two years, but I, you know, I'm really encouraged with him of just how good he looks physically. He, he's a, he is a guy who looks like he can hold up right now over the course of a season in college football. He doesn't look like a freshman, uh, you know, that that's positive moving forward and they're not going to rely on him to play this season. So that's great. And so hopefully, you know, over the course of the season and, and times when he can get in, hopefully it's in, you know, when there's not a lot of pressure and he can sort of, you know, take his licks and, and get his feet underneath him doing that. And so um, the other guy I wanted, to, I wanted to point out, Lee, was Justin Harrington. Um, we, you know, we didn't, didn't ha- really have any impact on the game whatsoever. But I, I just, you know, I want to say he's huge. He is so freaking big. And... Um, by my eyes, even with that, you know, with the knee brace on, I thought he was moving pretty well. Um, I was, uh, one thing that kind of struck me with Harrington, I was watching him really closely in the warmups before the game. And, you know, his feet and his hips are just really quick and really fluid. And um, I, you can tell that it's not, he, he hasn't put it all together yet. And, you know, you can see he wasn't really playing with the ones at all, even though they, they did kind of have a weird little rotation with the cornerbacks. Um, but you know, Harrington is a guy that we've all said that we really want him to step up and be a really a, a massive impact player on this defense. And uh, I, you know, from what I saw from him, especially coming off an ACL tear, I'm just glad that he looked he looked good physically and that he was moving well. And so he's got another four months to get uh, to get healthy, and we'll we'll see where he is. I mean, it's they're clearly giving him a shot at corner, and so we'll we'll see we'll see kind of how that shakes out. Um, another guy, you know, we didn't, uh, Latrell McCutcheon was out there quite a bit. He just, you know, he didn't, nothing really happened while he was here and maybe while he was there. And maybe that's because the ball never really came his way because he was doing a good job. So, um, there any other DBs that like stuck out or stuck out to you? No, I, I think you covered it all. I think, uh, just to touch on a couple of the players you mentioned, uh, Eaton, I, I, I think he had pretty good coverage actually on that great catch by Hazelwood. He had really good coverage. Yes, it just, agreed. Uh, and it just it was a great throw, great, even better catch. Harrington, glad you mentioned him because I was watching him in pregame as well. I think you mentioned that you didn't think he'd play. So, I mean, the fact that he was out there is a good sign. And, yeah, he looked a lot more fluid and smooth than I probably would have expected with a, a you know his size and the fact that he had a big old brace on. And then the same thoughts about McCutcheon. I mean, he was out there. I, I didn't really notice him at all during the game. I remember – it was second half and I was down there, you know, shooting video for news nine and thought, Oh, you know what? Like I actually, I, I saw Dean, uh, Dean was tweeting about Latrell McCutcheon. And so he had clearly seen something about McCutcheon. And I thought, Oh yeah, McCutcheon, I haven't even seen him yet today. And I think he was kind of playing on the other, the opposite side of the field that I was shooting on. So that's probably why I didn't see him a lot. So I, I remember I got some video of him just kind of standing around and I, I, I shot him 
covering a guy when the ball didn't go his way. But it, yeah, I mean, maybe he didn't he didn't do a lot because he was just playing good defense and there he wasn't tested. So yeah, but that's all I have really on those guys. Yeah, it's and oh, and, and Key Lawrence. The main thing with him that stood out was just his size. I mean, he he looked really good in his uniform, as we like to point out. That's pretty important. And he looked tall and big. And uh, he was, like you said, he was with the first team. And the question is, is uh, first team free safety? And Pat Fields, we found out, Alex Grinch mentioned that Pat Fields didn't practice all spring, so he was out all spring. Has Key Lawrence been, you know, the number one free safety the entire spring? Uh, I, don't, I don't mean, I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, has, you know, Justin Burroughs missed the game? Has Justin Burroughs been playing a lot? I don't know. But, uh, you know, I think we might have talked about is there a situation where Pat Fields not playing this spring ends up kind of hurting him that he might kind of be on the, the what's the right word like kind of be behind the eight ball come come fall that maybe he gets his job taken by somebody like Key Lawrence and Key Lawrence he was playing free safety and I was kind of wondering where is he going to play is he a nickel is he a strong safety free safety well he was at free safety and so that'll be that's going to be a position battle I think in the fall I mean they're going to probably give Pat Fields the benefit of the doubt because he's a veteran but we know Alex Grinch plays the best guys, and I mean everyone's going to get a chance to play. But that's something to kind of watch forward to once August gets here. You know, what's Key Lawrence going to be about? And you know we want to see more of him too because he didn't do a whole lot in that game. I think a lot of fans um, in this fan base right now kind of kind of quietly are hoping that that Key Lawrence takes that spot over. Uh, the human side of me, though, kind of is 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 still rooting for Pat Fields because I really like Pat Fields as a as a person and. And like Pat Fields is not is not a bad college football player whatsoever. It's just you know he's he's got some physical limitations that every now and then if 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 the offense can can highlight it they can take advantage of sometimes. And so um, we're like Pat Fields is going to play a lot this upcoming season regardless if he's a starter or not. So it's yeah I, I'm I'm really happy uh, that these guys are able to get a lot of time, you know, even if it, 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 it even if it means Pat Fields is, is hurt and misses the entire spring. Cause uh, really I'm, I'm not worried about Pat Fields and, and, and being an intellectual and him forgetting about the defense or something. He's going to know exactly what to do. Um, and that's regardless of, of what his physical limitations are. That's, that's really valuable. Clearly. Very true. All right, let's go over the list of the guys who did not play. And we've mentioned a lot of them, but just want to get them all out there uh, to put it on the record. We mentioned Woody Washington. He didn't play. Pat Fields, we just mentioned a moment ago, didn't practice all, all spring. I'll try to go over the defensive guys first. Justin Broyles. Uh, Brendan Walker wasn't out there. He's a guy that, I'm, yeah, like he, he could be somebody. But, I mean, it's a lot of depth, a lot of depth in the defensive room, especially at what the, the rush linebacker spot, I think, is where he's, he's playing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jalen Redmond not being out there. That was disappointing. I wanted to see him out there. I didn't see him on the field. I didn't, you know, there's plenty of guys that I saw out there that just weren't dressed in pads. I didn't, I didn't see him at all just like out on the field. Maybe he was there. And I just missed him. There were other guys who didn't play who I didn't see even like on the field either. Like, like Braden Willis is a guy who I don't think was in the stadium. No, he was. Was he? Oh, you saw him? Yeah, I, I got some video of him. He was playing around with the H-backs before the game, just getting them all pumped up. He was, like, pushing them and stuff. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Come on. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, Willis okay. was well, there. I, I stand corrected. Yeah. Uh, I I think I saw Conjol. And by the way, I'm trying to go. So, like, I th oh, and by the way, Isaiah Thomas didn't play, but he was there. That's all the defensive guys. Offensively, uh, you mentioned Willis. I think I saw Conjol there, but he didn't play. I know I saw Harrison. 
He didn't play. Anton Harrison. Uh, Tyrese Robinson, I, I know I saw him. He didn't play. And Theo Weiss. Theo Weiss was on one of those little roller things. with his. He had a leg, a leg injury. So he was you know, wheeling around on a roller thing, and it looked to be the most, I guess, serious injury of all of them. And, and who knows? It could just be precautionary. Uh, or maybe he just didn't want to use crutches. I don't know. I, I don't know how that works. But uh, Theo Weiss didn't play. So one of the main receivers you hope for this upcoming fall wasn't active. Uh, so those are all the guys who didn't play. I think the most interesting one, at least from my perspective, is not seeing Jalen Redman. I wanted to see what Redman looked like after missing all you know all this time. I mean, Kennedy Brooks was there, but Redman wasn't. You know, I hope he um I hope I hope he was there, and you just you just didn't recognize him because of his because of his dreads being gone now. Mm, like yes. and, uh, like I'm not I'm like I'm not even really joking there. I hope I hope that's the case because <laughs> he like he looks way different without the dreads. Yeah, he does. All right. Well, since it's the spring game. You know, there's always players out there who stand out and do things that are great, and then we never hear from them again. So we're going to talk about that in a moment. But before we get there, I just want to thank all of you out there for your continued support of West of Everest. West of Everest. Almost can't even say the name of the podcast right. Uh, feel free to leave us a rating and or review on iTunes. Also, you can like us on the West of Everest Facebook page. Give that a like. And I wanted to tell this quick story. By the way, we ran into a listener at the game, Harry, uh, at Owen Field, on Saturday, that's at Hype Man Harry on Twitter. Some of you may have seen him or know him. Uh, so wanted to say thanks for saying hi, Harry. And you were able to catch a rare moment these days where both Grant and I are in the same place together and at Owen Field to boot. I don't, that hadn't happened. That hasn't happened since this podcast existed. So congratulations for uh, for being there and seeing us. Uh, but we really appreciate people like Harry out there who listen and uh, and support the show. So that yeah, that was that was kind of cool. And you had the West of Ever swag on too, Grant, to to try to <laughs> try to market the show and brand the show. You had uh, one of the hats that our sister gave us for Christmas, which is pretty cool. Did anybody else come up to, and say, "Hey, I love the show, I love the podcast"? Every single, every minute, like seriously, it was every thirty seconds, man. All the autographs, yeah. We got it's it's a big tent here, man. Got a huge audience. No, that was that was the only one. Nobody else. I was up, I was up in the upper deck near the press box, and there just there weren't as many people up there as there were in the lower bowl. <laughs> Well, there's some people in the media that listen to the show every once in a while, so they probably would have recognized that. Uh, but I mentioned a moment ago, there's you know there's some guys that are, are random that stood out. And so the easy one is Jackson Sumlin. Had a touchdown catch, had a couple of big plays. I don't know if he's going to be a thing this year. I, it's a pretty deep H-back room or tight end room or whatever, but, I mean, he had a good game. And then the two running backs, uh, Jaden Knowles and Todd Hudson. And really, Hudson, just the last play of the game, he had a long run. It was like a 40, 50-yard run which was my prediction of the random guy who'd have a big game, even though it was a joke. Uh, Josh Eaton was kind of there. You, you picked oh, Darby. Oh, yeah. What a freaking swing and a miss that was. <laughs> I, I mean, went out on a limb there, too. Yeah. But uh, Jaden Knowles, a few flash plays on a long run, had a touchdown. Uh, so just I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention these guys having nice spring games because we probably will not hear or see from them much at all. Honestly, Totally honestly, I hope we see Knowles and Hudson a ton this year. Ah, uh, yes. Because that, because you know what that means, right? It means they're freaking boat racing people. It means that all the running backs are injured. <laughs> I, oh no! Injuries notwithstanding, I hope we see those guys a lot in the fall. Yeah. Uh, another couple of notes, things that we haven't touched on yet that I wanted to bring up. How about this, Wanye Morris starting at left tackle for the first team offense? And again, not an expert on offensive line play, but when I watched him, he looked fine. He looked. Okay, and I'm glad that he's out there, and maybe, maybe he's the starting left tackle. I, I mean, we have a whole summer to go, and but he's been practicing. He's there, and he, Key Lawrence, and Eric Gray were all 
with the ones. So uh, getting the Tennessee transfers going was uh, is is going well so far for Oklahoma. So I wanted to point that out. Also, haven't mentioned Kennedy Brooks much. Uh, I know we did kind of early, but he didn't really do a whole lot. Only a couple carries. So there's that. And then uh, finally, this happened right after the podcast came out last week, too. The Oklahoma got another receiver grant. Mike Woods from Arkansas called it. And I know it's not it was it was out there for anyone who wanted to look hard enough at the time I said it. So um, I'm excited for this guy. This guy's good. I mean, I think his um, the the highlight video that he had on YouTube, uh, which I think was put up there by an Arkansas fan, was like deleted 30 minutes after he committed. <laughs> so oh, his cool uh, his cool highlight tapes not there anymore. But uh, a, a guy, if you know, clearly he's 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 a deep threat, uh, a big play threat. He was second in the SEC in yards per catch. Um, and you know, this is this is not a guy who is who is a depth piece. I I, I think it's pretty clear this guy's going to come in. They're going to expect him to be to be a big play guy I think yeah that's what he is to me I I watched a few of his snaps some of his touchdowns from 2020 and he looks like he's just running go routes running fades deep fades and they're just throwing him deep balls I mean he had two really long exactly the same touchdowns against Florida where he just ran by the corner I saw yeah yeah. essentially like on that highlight tape I saw I saw you know slot fades deep fade just go routes and also there were times where he they they got him the ball over the middle on RPOs uh, but you know, he only had 32 catches last season, so it's not like they were just peppering him with targets. Uh, but you can't—I mean, having over 600 yards receiving on only 32 catches and and you know a handful of touchdowns—that's that's nothing to sneeze at on an Arkansas team that did not really light up the scoreboard. So um, I think everyone is sort of—I um, think everyone everyone's excited to see what he looks like in this offense. I don't know if we were kind of going back and forth after the show last week about whether or or earlier this week after he committed about whether or not this is just kind of maybe another Jeff Bidette situation and I you know I think I think maybe that's a fair comparison but they they do look like different players to me they they just kind of move differently yeah and obviously Jeff Bidette I mean Jeff Bidette did contribute until he got hurt yeah and he was a he's kind of banged up yeah but then like whenever Marquise Brown kind of started coming on in 2017 Bidette saw you know fewer and fewer snaps uh, I I think I texted you the whole Bidette like Bidette comparison because again like to me he looks like a, a just a deep guy like a deep threat. Apparently he's he's a good route runner, so hopefully he's got more than just the go route in his toolbox. I'm sure he does. But after watching the spring game and and you touched on the wide receivers at the very beginning of this podcast, I still like that position group needs to play better. That's and, the that's that's the biggest question mark I, I think going into next season. I, it's how can it not be right now? I mean, it was their, it was arguably their weakest position group last season, and you know th- this is the only time we've seen them since the end of the year. And like I said, they were they were the worst position group in this spring game. So we'll see. But also, I mean, that's it's it's a room that's not super healthy. We got the weird Trajan Bridges situation. Theo Weiss isn't playing. Riley saying Hazelwood's at eighty to eighty five percent. Marvin Mims only had a handful of snaps in this game. Um, Drake Stoops didn't play a ton in this game either. So, you know, maybe it's, maybe we're, we're putting, maybe I'm putting a little too much stock into what happened here in the spring game. Um, there, there's still plenty of time for this group to get their legs underneath them. And, you know, there's, there's other guys who, um, who are going to be big time receiving threats too. guys like Austin Stogner, Braden Willis, 
who you know Willis didn't play and Stogner wasn't was not a huge factor in this game whatsoever. So you know there's there's other guys who catch the ball other than wide receivers too, but. <laughs> It, it would be nice if they could, you know, run three or four guys out there. The defense has to be has to account for and needs to be scared of. Sorry, I, I, I kind of blacked out for a second. Did you mention Stogner for a moment? Yeah, I did. OK, that's what I thought. Yeah, I, because we didn't touch on him much. Uh, one good that he's play, he played in the game. That's good. But they didn't use him a whole lot. I think you mentioned when you're rewatching it, you noticed he was kind of lining up as an inline tight end a couple of times. Yep. And so there was uh, kind of in, in the early, uh, the first couple series of the games, they were trying to, they, they went into max protect a few times to try to take some shots with, with Rattler. And I noticed on those that Stogner had his hand in the ground and he was, he, he was on the line. And I, I just, and maybe I'm wrong. I just don't remember seeing him do that a single time last season. And unless I'm mistaken, I mean, do you remember that? I mean, I can't think of one, but I, it'd be difficult to imagine he didn't do that once. I, uh, but I, I wanted to bring him up though because it's nice that he played. He looked like he was moving fine. I, I, I didn't see any sort of he didn't have anything on his leg because I think his leg was the biggest issue last year. He didn't have any sort of brace or any like a wrap or I think during the Cotton Bowl he had like a sleeve on his leg or something like that. Didn't see that in the game, so it was good that Stogner was playing. Uh, but, I mean, you made some good points. About, like, you know, Mims was kind of used sparingly. We know Mims is going to be a thing. Uh, Stoops here and there. But, you know, you got the, the three five-star guys from the 2019 class, and Hazelwood's had the injury issues. Bridges has barely played. Uh, by the way, uh, for the spring game roster they gave us at the stadium – both Bridges and uh, McGowan were not on the spring game roster. Uh, we know they're both suspended right now. But both of those players are still on the actual online Oklahoma football roster. Just throwing that out there. But so Bridges, Hazelwood. Now Weiss has been the one that's actually been healthy the entire, entire time. Now Weiss, I know it's the spring, so it's not as bad as it could be. Now you got Weiss who's like going around on a little rolly thing. It's, it's like these guys cannot, can they all just be healthy at the same time except for in 2019 whenever – CD Lamb's on the team and Jalen Hurts is the quarterback and the offense is not really built for you know four or five wide throw the ball ball around because that's just not what Jalen Hurts is and one of the you got a first round draft pick at receiver that's going to take up a lot of the targets it's just it's like man it's it's like this group is I mean curse is too strong of a word but it's like man like the recruiting has been there but this is the first time since we've been doing this podcast really that high level type recruits on the offense have just been blah and not have, I mean, contributed. Because the whole joke about a guy like Lee Morris, who's a walk-on, Lincoln Riley turns that guy into a contributor. Walk-on guy. And honestly, he probably should have gone and played somewhere because he's a freak athlete and really good. But, now, you know, you get these guys who are five-star players and injury issues, off-the-field issues, and now more injury issues. Just It's just not coming together for him. Uh, so it's just it's kind of frustrating. But, yeah, it, Thankfully, we have a whole summer for anybody to get healthy, keep getting more and more uh, strong when it comes to Hazelwood. Hopefully, Weiss's thing is not a big deal. We go into the fall, you know, Mike Woods learns the playbook, and that, that position group plays a lot better because Lincoln Riley, Riley challenged them at the very beginning of the spring, and you better believe he's going to be challenging them all summer. And also, I th- in this conversation, too, and I-, I feel like this is kind of lost amongst the conversation a lot of the fans have about the receivers, uh, Marvin Mims is still there, and Marvin Mims is awesome. So they, I mean, they, they do have an alpha at receiver on this team. It's Marvin Mims. Um, and so it's, it's not like they're going in with a completely, with, with like no deck of cards at all. I mean, they got, they got some guys who can make some plays. Mm-hmm. 
All right, well, I'm all spring game tapped out. Are you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, it's one of those things that come fall practice, this game is not going to mean a G-dang thing. <laughs> so it's just, you know, but, you know, this is a snapshot in time, and it's, well, we're OU football fans, man. We, we love OU football, and uh, I think it's always kind of a nice little treat that we get this in the middle of the spring, and... Uh, it's it, it's it's going to be summer and those guys are going to be on campus. They're going to be doing summer workouts before we know it. And then it's, it's going to be time to you know talk about the fall season. Can't wait. And, you know, in the past, I want to say the spring game is maybe a week, two weeks earlier. I mean, we're I mean, we're almost to May. I mean, spring game's over with and May's almost here. So the wait between spring game and fall practice is not going to be quite as long as uh, as normal. But still, it's still kind of a bit uh it's it's still long but it's it's gonna fly by man it always does it's it, i feel like every single off season on this podcast at least from my perspective it gets quicker and quicker and quicker until the next season begins man i mean the whole covid season's over we're already through spring ball the next year that's man, because you're I, getting older and the older you get uh just yeah. kind of feels like things go faster that's i mean it's so weird yeah like i i don't really stress out as much about off seasons anymore because they freaking fly by like it's if we have anybody that's in college listening or high school player, players, high school people, they're probably like, what are you guys talking about? The offseason takes forever. And it's, it's football. I mean, the offseason does take forever. Don't get us wrong. It's the longest offseason of any sport. But uh, for whatever reason, yeah, it, it, as you get older and maybe people that are older than us can probably attest to this, it, it's, just, it, it's not as big of a deal as it used to be. Uh, maybe it's because we have more things going on. We have, we have lives. I don't know. Uh, but my life is football, and I'll keep it that way. Uh, all right, we're done for now. The schedule moving forward is unclear, unfortunately. So the best thing I can tell you all is stay tuned to the West of Evers Facebook page for any updates. Maybe something will happen with the NFL draft that we want to talk about. I don't know. Maybe we'll want to do a, a post. Maybe we can do a post spring like depth chart thing. I don't know. We'll we'll see how how maybe into we, we can are. just do kind of like a little football meat sandwich grab bag. Talk about talk about you know talk about OU obviously maybe there's some fallout after the after the spring some news and maybe a little NFL draft talk because drafts on Thursday and I'm really pumped for the draft. There's so. been some chatter as we get ready to to close up shop today. There has been some chatter I think in the last few days that may maybe Creed Humphrey is a potential first round pick again. I don't know. Like I, I mean he I think if he would have came out I've said this before if he would have came out. Before last year, he probably would have been a first-round pick for whatever reason. Staying in college longer has kind of hurt his tape, I guess. But uh, I mean, he's uh, he's uh, he's the consensus number one center in the draft. Regardless, I mean, I think regardless, I saw he's if maybe he, the number two center. Really, who is who would be? Ahead I, I don't of him? know. I, I think I saw that from uh, Jim Nagy, who's the Senior Bowl guy. I, I want to say I saw a tweet that said he's looked at as maybe the the number two center. But uh, I'll admit that I haven't done a whole lot of Creed Humphrey draft research. I just. I'm going off a couple tweets I saw. <laughs> Great journalism there, I know. Great information uh, transmission. But no, I mean, I hope we, I hope we get through through this weekend, and I hope there's what I mean. How how many is it? Is it four players that are that are draftable for OU? All right, Creed's going to get drafted. Uh, Ronnie Perkins is going to get drafted, and Tr- Trey Brown and Trey Norwood, I think, are kind of up in the air. And those are and uh, Adrian Ely is. Oh yeah, Adrian That's, Ely. Uh, Adrian Ely is not, uh, from what I've seen, is not trending great in that in that uh, regard. But huh, like I said, I hope I hope all five of those guys get drafted. Obviously, and Ramondre Ramondre is going to get drafted. Oh, Ramondre, man, see, yeah, it just shows you how little we've paid attention to the draft stuff. Uh, a guy like Ely will probably get as time has gone by now. 
anybody from Oklahoma offensive line is probably getting a couple extra bonus points just because of how good Oklahoma offensive linemen have fared recently under, under Biedenboe. I mean, Orlando Brown just got traded. He's going to go play for the Chiefs now. And I mean, how about that? You go from playing for the Ravens, who you're you know, contending, you're winning, you know, playing in the playoffs. Now you're going to go to a play with pat mahomes that's a pretty great career so far for orlando brown that's uh i i, I feel like that's pretty um i i just think that's a cool thing and i and it's uh i think it just underscores how how stupid it was that he was a third round pick um it's just i i think that was one of those things of like that that's just nfl scouts just outsmarting themselves and whereas like i mean just when you listen to Orlando Brown talk about how to play offensive line, he has such a deep understanding of what he does best and how to get his job done. And it's, I mean, what I think in Pro Football Focus said it's 700 dropbacks last season at left tackle, not a single sack given up. And those are results, man. And that, and when when Orlando Brown is on the field, that's what you get. And um, that's I, what a great situation that is for him going to Kansas City. That's that's awesome. Good for mm-hmm. him. And it, the tape was there. His his college tape was there. It's it's a classic scenario of his post college career combine testing stuff that was taken into account a lot more than just his tape. Apparently, and that's why he fell because he he couldn't bench press that much and he was kind of unathletic. But uh, it hasn't mattered in the but NFL. That's, like that's the thing, though. He's not he's not unathletic. Like he was. There, there was a reason why, while he was there, the GT counter turned into the staple of the program, because he was really freaking good at running it and being mobile. So, I don't know that that was that was always just a really weird situation. Um, but you know, we've it's got. I think this is going to be his fourth year in the league coming up here now, and he's I mean, he's proven that he is one of the best tackles in the NFL. And so I, I just I, I think it's really cool, and it's a little it's it's kind of it. What's the word I'm looking for here? It. it it makes me feel not crazy because I, I mean I thought people were insane right. for for passing up on him, um, and uh, so yeah, it's 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 just really good to see that, and it's obviously great for the for OU's program. They can continue to just uh, uh, market that, and he's probably going to be a Pro Bowler, and hopefully he's going to have a really long NFL career, and certainly on the road to that for sure. Oh, and I thought of the word I couldn't think of about an hour ago about Billy Bowman compared to Clayton Smith. Billy Bowman is a skill position player. Whereas Clayton Smith is like a defensive end rush linebacker, which probably would not be classified as a skill position type player if he were to switch over to the offense. (laughs) Well done. All right. Uh, That's it for us today. Until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.